Hey guys, welcome to Gino's Golden Tea Podcast. I am the Alpha Chris Long Gino, back from a much needed and uh, pretty good holiday break. Uh, been about a month since I've been in the podcast game, a little over a month now, and uh, it's been made very clear to me just by looking at the calendar that we are two and a half weeks away from our Golden Tea World Championship. And I think the truth is. We're not really in a world championship place right now. We understand it's coming. I know a lot of us is looking forward to it. Um, I think the biggest question for a lot of people is, what are they going to expect? And when they have that question, I think they look at previous world championships and um, wonder if, you know, if it's going to be anywhere to that kind of scale. What is that kind of scale? Well, 2019, we had this massive production crew, this big boom going across the room with a camera, uh, confetti cannon, all kinds of jive. And uh, it was the largest world championship we had had. I mean, it, it was the biggest stage we had had for a world championship up to this point in Golden Tee history. So um, now I think some of the questions now that we're we know we're going to uh, – kind of a convention, a convention center slash banquet hall or whatever at the at the Westgate, um, I think people have in mind what are they going to expect. Also, I think, uh, especially as competitors who are just not, I mean, they have just about as the minimum inf minimal information that they can have to go forward. You know, they know where to go stay. They know where to, you know, how to get there, obviously, um, and where it's going to be and, and payouts. Um, in previous years, you know, they sent us out, um, you know, questionnaires, you know, sizes, you know, because we were all wearing jerseys. jerseys. Um, this one won't have this one, uh, have jerseys from what I understand. Um, and so all that has kind of compiled itself into, you know, us, I don't know, I think as a community, maybe not really feeling, you know, the prestige of a world championship coming up. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But I, I think I can feel that from other people. Um, so I'm going to, here in the next couple of weeks, get some podcasts going, get back in the game here. And uh, we start with this one right here. Huge podcast. Huge. And this one, um, as a pleasure for me and some one of the first people I ever met uh, in regards to Golden Tea, is this man, Gary Colabano. He's the former marketing director for Incredible Technologies, was brought in in the uh, late 90s to uh, help the launch of uh, then Golden T4. And from 1999 until 2013, he was our um, our Kevin Lindsay, our, our face of marketing for Incredible Technologies. Now, granted, we didn't have direct tagging in social media, so anytime I have a thought... I need to go tag Kevin Lindsay and, uh, you know, see what he thinks about this in regards to golden tea, which I'm sure he's absolutely tired of. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's kind of our face. Well, at the time we had a message board and we had a marketing director and for all the it ran tournaments, he was our master of ceremonies. He was our, um, almost tournament director, but you know, he was the one that sold the tournament, you know, we had other guys running the tournament itself, but he's the one that, you know, um, that made it, that made it feel really big, especially the ones that were ran by it, regionals, 
national and world championships. Gary was Gary was the face of a lot of that. Uh, so I had him come on. He, um, you know, our largest world championship we ever had was at the Westgate in uh, 2008, and there were 50 machines, 350 players total. And uh, we uh, kind of talked about that a little bit, along with uh, just his rousing career of Golden Tee. He was a benefactor of the players. He wanted to empower players. He wanted to showcase our players. And uh, he did a, a really good job of that for a lot of years. And so I was happy to have him, happy to uh, catch up with him, and uh, really enjoyed this podcast. So uh, that's coming up. Also coming up, uh, we have the National Golden Tee Tour starting in Wisconsin here in about six weeks. Um, I'm curious to see what kind of turnout they're going to be. They're just off the heels of World Championships, so it's kind of a, a tough date. Um, but we'll see how that turns out. Uh, I imagine they'll have a hundred plus. You know, Wisconsin has a good good base of people in that region. Minnesota, Illinois, all the best for that. Um, what else have we had? Oh, we had a lot of like regional tournaments over the last weekend. You know, a lot of tournaments in their respective areas holding a tournament that has been happening for a while. Um, I'm not sure if the one down in Spats in Orlando has been happening. They, I, I feel like they just, whenever they feel like having one, they have one, and then they bring out. People from Tampa come in, people from other parts of Florida come down. And uh, that, you know, they typically have their own little shindig. The Stats Tournament in Texas has been going on for so many years now. Um, one of the big one of the big tournaments in Houston, and I think it was a big tournament, it had almost 50 people. Uh, that uh, that tournament was going on. The old snow cow up in uh, northern Virginia. One of my uh, one of my must goes. Uh, in one one time, one once in my life, I'd like to get up there and enjoy that. Uh, the Northern Virginia people are uh, are dear to me, and I don't get to see them nearly as much as I used to. It's a highly recommend for a lot of a lot of tournament players. A lot of people say I should get up there, and I, I really want to get up there one day. wasn't it wasn't wasn't in the cards this year because of uh, Vegas coming up, but they uh, I'm sure they had a big tournament. Didn't see any results from that. And then um, the Indianapolis tournament. Uh, Jason Kendrick is um, one of the largest operator vendors there are in the country. And he uh, he hosts a series of machines in the Indianapolis area. And he is uh, he was awarded a world championship spot to give to whoever wanted to come play in his event. Now... There were six states represented, from what I understand. Uh, it was like a two hundred dollar entry, and uh, they had their tournament. A lot of really good players in that uh, Indianapolis tournament. The last gasp, if you will. Um, a lot of great players that are in the Indianapolis area. Mike Johnston, not just a great player and a great ambassador, but also a good friend. Um, Matt Cavanaugh. Uh, Jabe McGillum, Brandon Eby, a lot of really great players in the Indianapolis player and then uh, in the Indianapolis area. And then there were other players, you know, from other states. Uh, I saw Kirk Stempert and Zach Graham from Wisconsin. They were they were playing. Uh, Casey Mattingly from Kentucky came down and played. Uh, and then the winner, <clears throat> the winner was Frank Knowles. Second place, Danny Skurlock. He's from Illinois. I think 
and uh, but Frank Knowles, I believe, from Michigan, and he uh, he'll get to play his first world championship, and uh, was really really close to getting into the world championship of 2019 through the last chance closest to the pin. He was part of that field, and came really close to getting in. So, uh, so congrats to him. I uh, he's the last guy now that can. He was the last guy that can really qualify. That is not going to be in Vegas that Friday night, February twenty fifth, and uh, I hope we uh, see a lot of people out there for that. Um, I'm hoping I, this World Championship is kind of turning the the page on the twenty twenty one courses, which I think I can speak for a lot of people have had enough of, and uh, now is there everybody is ready. Uh, for new courses, whenever they may come out, uh, you know, incredible technologies. It's they right now. Rumor is May. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's not all the way until next next September. Just you know, the nature of the beast. So, um, now to this podcast. So here's uh, here's Gary taping this on a Wednesday night here and. Uh, Back in the podcast game, it's been about a month since I've had one, and now uh, we got a world championship coming up for Golden Tee here in about three weeks. And here to relive some of the old world championships and just some of his old times of Golden Tee and Incredible Technologies, former marketing director of Incredible Technologies, Gary Colabano. How are you, sir? Well, uh, Chris, it's so much fun for me to be here. Thanks for the invitation and. Uh, Hopefully, uh, we'll, this little walk down memory lane uh, might be uh, interesting for the players because I think uh, I, I think they will find it interesting. Absolutely, I, I, I'm sure because I mean, you when I my my memory of you at its earliest when I first started doing I guess tournaments or going to tournaments where it felt like you were our master of ceremonies, if you will. Um, you were the guy that was. Um, I guess, uh, propping up the player, you were, you know, you, you were empowering the player. You wanted the player to be the star. I, I felt like that was kind of your, uh, your MO, right? Yeah. Am I, am I wrong in saying that? No, you are 100% correct. When I, when I started at, uh, well, let, let me, let me back up. It was yeah. November of, of, uh, 1999 when it was my first day, November 22nd, 99 was my first day at IT. Prior to that, I had been, uh, for the prior 15 years, 20 years, I was um, running uh, my own uh, chain of comic book shops. And I was like the largest retailer in the country, and I sold all my shops to a public company. And, um, you know, they ultimately, they hired me to run that company, the, the parent company. Uh, I really didn't want that job because I had sold my business, so... You know, but next thing you know, they, you know, it was a public company. It was a lot of stock. So, you know, the financier who put the deal together um, really, you know, put a lot of heat on me to come and run the company. But we had to expand and we had to expand fast. And then Marvel, Marvel uh, just, uh, you know, shit on the industry and screwed everything up. And, and, and so really overnight, almost the whole comic book industry uh, just went in the toilet. And um, they went from like 20,000 stores to three, 3,000. 
Goodness. Well, anyway, so I, I, you know, after a few years, I needed a job. So in 99, um, I reinvented myself. I hired a, a coach, a career counselor, because I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I had my own business for all these years and I didn't know what, you know, what, you know, people would say, well, what do you do? And I go, well, I, I do everything. I, you know, I ran my own business and I created it from nothing. I built something and the guy goes, yeah, but what do you do? And I go, well, uh, you know, I, what do you need me to do? And, and I, I needed to be a square peg in a square hole. And uh, so this career counselor said, well, we'll define who you are. And, and so I became a marketing strategist after going through the, the exercise of trying to determine, you know, what it is I wanted to do and what I would do best. So um, now I'm a marketing strategist. <laughs> so, so I, Jim Doré, who is, I believe he's still at IT, is the uh, you know, vice president, uh, chief operating officer. Um, he, um, he used to be the chief financial officer at the company that went out of business. So I called Jim and said, hey, Jim, let's have lunch. So the next thing I know is, you know, I'm having lunch and he goes, hey, I just got this job at this video game company and they're looking for a marketing guy. And he gave me Elaine's uh, number and I gave her a call and I had uh, an interview. And next thing I know, I'm hired. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and it's because Scott Morrison used to be, I used to have my own radio show and Scott, you know, comic book radio show and Scott yeah. used to listen to it all the time and stuff. So he knew who I was. I didn't know him, but he knew who I was. And so um, now I, so I get hired as the marketing director. Yeah. Now, you got to understand IT in, in let, let's say January, 22 years ago, January 2000, they had no salesmen. They, they farmed their sales out uh, to a, a, a rep group. They had no marketing. Scott was the quote marketing director, but they didn't really do any marketing. Yeah. They didn't know who the players were. All they know is that they didn't like the players because the players were cheating in the tournament. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm being real, um, a general in a statement, you know. Um, they uh, did have a couple of live tournaments in Vegas at the amusement shows, I think in 97, 98, um, 99. Um, and, you know, so, so they would meet the players there for the, their national championship, but, you know, that was the extent of it. There, there was no interaction and there was no communication. Um, players were uh, not even on their radar screen. So when I get there, I'm going, okay, it's time to do some marketing. You know, show me the files. What have you guys done so far? Well, there's nothing. So now I've got to like, I'm going to just make it up. If I were, if this were my company, what would I do? Yeah. So the first thing I did is, who are our customers? Well, our customers are the amusement operators who buy the machines and the players who play the machines. So you have the backbone of the company is the operating operators and the lifeblood are the players. There's nothing more boring than an amusement operator. Okay. You know, these guys, <laughs> these guys know their business and they're real good at it, but they're boring as shit. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so I go, well, I'm not going to promote any of those guys. There's no, there's no win there. Uh, plus the only ones that, 
well, I didn't know any of them at the, at that time. Um, and the ones that I had met, I mean, it was like they were the most skittish bunch of guys I ever met because it was like they were just afraid of anybody knowing anything about their business. Yeah. So, so, so I, I mean, I was hired by IT because they wanted a marketing person to, with the launch of Golden T4. So, you know, okay, how am I, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? You know? Um, and so I started, you know, doing everything I could to meet people and, and to meet our operators and to meet our players. Um, and I think the first thing I first it was the summer of 2000. I went to Mount Airy and, um, and uh, for the Mount Airy Open, and I, I made the cut. I remember I, I was, I was, there was 32 guys to make the cut, and I made the cut and shocked oh, the Golden T World. <laughs> I was two and out, but I lost to Dan Reed on the 18th hole of my first match. Oh, yeah? And, uh, yeah, I had a chance to beat him. That was wow. one, one chance. But the old Backstreet that Pavilion. Point, that's right. Yeah. The old Backstreet. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I, so I'm starting to meet the guys, you know, and I'm meeting this guy, Sobia, and I go, God, this guy is amazing. You know, he is, first of all, he's, you know, he's a, a laid back guy. You know, he's not a, a hard ass or anything. You know, he's laid back and he's, and he's easy to talk to. And he's, he's, um, approachable you know i mean it was like you know, i i really i said this is this is one guy i put on my radar screen plus he knows the game of course you know of course. he's a great player then i got to meet ryan b at uh, i think it was the chicago challenge or something and you know and now ryan was not as warm and um and inviting as Sobi was but um but that was his own style and you could tell he was like to me he was an assassin and I said, oh, this, this is great. I got, I got like a guy everybody could rally around. And then I got a guy who's so good. He's, but he's like, a, I don't want to say a villain, but you know, he's, he's like water, you know, water and oil. This is be, these two guys always pit them against each other would be great. Rivalry, yeah. if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, two-time champion and a two-time champion. I mean, it was all, you know, things were starting to develop. Mm-hmm. And and then I met Greg Kinsler and, and at uh, the early Chicago show and um, and I really thought of all the players this was the guy the company could hang their hat on yeah because he he was a real golfer mm-hmm. and he was he was young and handsome and and outgoing and um, I said wow this is another guy that really could be make a difference. So I talk about the, this at the at the office. Scott would listen. Scott was, a, you know, he he really was the greatest boss you could have because he just let me do basically whatever I wanted because there was nothing else. There was no alternative. Yeah. It was either we go along with what Gary's doing, or we don't do anything. <laughs> you know, and we need to do something. So, so it was, um, and but it was always a struggle always a struggle with IT because there were no marketing people running the company. Programmers, engineers, you know, uh, some artists and things, okay, uh, you know, 
video game guys and stuff, but there were no marketing people. There were no salespeople. The yeah. best thing, the, the culture started changing when they hired me. But then when they hired Pesh, it really changed. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Pesh goes in, all right, let's, let's you know, who, who are these, you know, you know uh, where's our sales guys? You know, yeah. they didn't, well, they had Marguerite Kirby. Marguerite was, uh, they hired her when they fired, let's see, I think it was like they hired me, they fired the, the Bulldog rep company, yeah. hired yeah. Marguerite. And then said, go out and sell Golden Team 4. I mean, it was like no salespeople. There was nothing. I mean, there's a, when you think about it, it's like, wait a minute. How could this company put its fortunes in the hands of, of you know, people who don't know what, really what to do? But that was IT in those days. You know, I mean, that was IT in those days. Yeah. The three players you just mentioned, I think I read an article one time, you called them the Trioka. Is that, is, did I get trika. that right? The, the Trika. The Trika. Trika, yeah. That's uh, Russian for the threesome, I think. It's. Yeah. Uh, just kind of in between itself at the time, those three were probably the top players going at the time. Did you have a lot of experience with Golden Tee prior to taking the job? Uh, no, no, none at all. Um, cause I'm, I'm not, I don't hang out at bars, you know, prior to that, I wasn't a bar guy. I didn't go like, you know, Friday nights or anything. Um, you know, I had two little kids, uh, you know, uh, my kids, well, by that time in 99, they were like, you know, 14, 15, but, yeah. but, you know, I just, you know, I wasn't a bar guy and, um, but I mean, it was, you know, I saw the game every time I'd see it someplace, but I never played it until uh, I started working at IT. Well, we're, um, when you're getting around to 2000 to 2001, I guess that was a marketed national championship for 2001. Am I, am I getting my timeline just about right or 2000, maybe? Well, there was the Golden T 99, you know, the old 3D game. Of course. Had it, had its, had its championship in the spring of 2000. Okay. okay. All right. That was still at the amusement operators on the show floor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and I looked at that and I go, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Here's a bunch of guys having to bring in their own cases of beer and stuff because there's no yeah. beer sales on the floor and, or else they were like $8 a beer. So, you know, I'm just watching, I'm going, what, why, why, how come, what are we trying to do here? You know, I mean, it just didn't make any sense, but it saved money because they could put the machines out there and the guys could play them and it was in the booth. And so, you know, um, IT was all about uh, being very frugal at trade shows. And, um, you know, the, it didn't matter if you were the owners or you were a marketing vice president, a marketing director, a marketing gopher. Uh, you worked uh, and, uh, and everybody worked until all the machines were boxed up and, or I should say unboxed first and set up. And then when it came time to tear down, everybody did all the work. They never hired a crew to do it. And it was brutal. It was brutal. So I said, we got to get, we're not doing this next year. So in, in the following year, the first, I think we had eight games and it was at the Hilton where the amusement show was, but we had a, our own small little room uh, in 2001. 
And uh, well, it wasn't small, but it, it wasn't a big giant cavernous place like it was in 2008. Yeah. But we had we had eight machines in the room on a, on platforms, and uh, it was a nice setup. It was pretty cool, you know. Um, but but that was really the first tournament that uh, Scott and I ran. Was that uh, the one I remember buying a VHS tape from uh, from Incredible Technologies? It was Sobe versus Bourgeois, I think. Uh, that when... was two thousand two. Oh, that was 2002. Okay, so we're getting there. I'm getting my uh, my time right. Um, and I guess that would probably be the biggest world ch uh, national championship that you have your your hands on, right? Would that be correct? Well, you know, everybody's saying, well, you know, we had a good time. Gary, you did a real good job with this uh, eight machines over there, you know. And, um, and I said, well, you know, we can – I had been working with this uh, – promoter who wanted to, to put make a, a radio a, a tv show but the technology you know i mean we 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 would have to you know we wanted overhead shots so you can see how you know the hand would work the trackball i mean we wanted to make it technical and fun but but have you know a, a screen within a screen so that you could i mean so it had to be the production of it had to be right but we didn't have the money to do that. We, we didn't have the money to do it right, but we did have enough money. It was a quarter of a million, I wanted, if I remember what the budget was. Wow. It was a quarter of a million dollars to put the whole thing together. And um, and it really came, I mean, you had these big trusses set up with with uh, with the monitors you know, on, on each game so that people could see what was happening. It was like the first, basically, even though it was an arcade cabinet, they were hooked up to exterior monitors. And so it was the first time, it was just like Golden Team, you know, the pedestal was the first pedestal, basically, if you think of it in that sense. And, and it really was a great looking um, play field, uh, floor. I mean, everybody just was, was blown away by how cool it looked. Well, was that at the Hilton too, or where was that located at? Uh, that was, was that the MGM or is that the Hilton? Mm -hmm. well that's a good question i, I think, had my videotape downstairs i think it says it on there but um okay I, I, it might be dmgm i think i remember in the back of my memory somewhere that dmgm could have been in the in there but either way uh so i think it was the mgm actually I'm, I'm now when i think about it and um but it was really a, a really a great setup and they and the the you know big bob lanigan was the uh experienced uh you know um play-by-play -play guy he 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 was you know a, a, a tv guy and and had been on different you know espn shows and stuff and and he was and he was really a professional and knew what to do uh on camera and um and then kevin fury was you know kevin was god what a, i mean kevin was like the jack of all trades he could do so many things but he had such a great uh, low-key, uh, man, his mannerisms, everything, and he was the perfect color guy because he knew every shot and what should be done here and stuff. So it was great to have, you know, uh, uh, an objective play-by-play -play guy uh, along with a, a color guy who knew all the, all the intricacies. Um, and so it was really a lot of fun. It was exciting and it was, and it was cool, but we never had the budget to get the thing on TV enough. And
Um, and that was, you know, I, I, that was one thing about IT. They would do things and say, okay, we'll, we'll spend a quarter of a million dollars. But, you know, and then I would say, well, well, no, I mean, it costs a quarter of a million dollars to produce the show, you know, and, and pay the, you know, have winners and stuff, you know, it, you know, prize money and, and, and everything. But then when it's over, we need another quarter of a million dollars to promote it and stuff. Yeah. You know, and they go, well, we're not going to do that. Well, put up some magic, make some voodoo, and maybe you'll, you can get it on TV <laughs> and it won't cost anything. Well, you know, in those days, there was hardly any place to go. Um, not It wasn't like now. I mean, right now, I mean, I'm <clears throat> with all, all the content, all the places that need content, all these streaming services, everything you name it from Netflix to, to, to Paramount Plus to Disney, you name it, they want content. And so, you know, what Adam, and I'm sure Adam is, is doing everything he can to get the right deal with, with PGA to, to get a PGA TV show, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is, but you know, how, how that's going to happen, you know, I'm not, I have no idea, but I know that that's where that can go because there's a place for it now. But 20 mm -hmm. years ago, you know, it was like you had ESPN and then you had Fox Sports and then you had, uh, you know, Comcast uh, or whatever, you know, Sportsnet. Yeah. That was yeah. really basically it. So you had to find the right deal to do broker time. You had to pay them to put the show on. But you could run really great deals. But we had no money. You know, Scott and I look at each other and go, Scott, can we get 50? Can we get 50? And he go... <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and I'd say, he'd say, I try, you know. And so, you know, I was always trying to, you know, like I said, the, the, the thing we did, Scott Morris and, and I, and then when Duffer came on and then when Adam came on, it was always, we had to make something out of nothing. That was our, our little catchphrase, make something out of nothing. Well, it, it felt like uh, not, I mean, everything in that time 2002 would be i guess uh right around the peak of selling you know golden t4 i mean at that point that's probably where where your height is um and then i guess you guys i i'm, I'm a little lost on how this becomes an international product because by that point a world championship is made you have international partners guys like bob and gavin fay uh are around and you guys begin the world championship. How did that idea of the world championship come about? Well, you know, Bob Fay um, was a, the consummate um, relationship guy. And so, you know, in, in his role as the head of the amusement machine, American Amusement Machine Association, you know, the, the manufacturer's trade group, in his role, he, he met everybody in, of any importance in, uh, in, in amusement uh, over the seven, 10 years, whatever it was that he was there. So he came to IT and said, listen, you know, I can really help you guys. And, um, and so they said, okay, we'll take a shot. You know, and so they hired Bob to be the international sales guy. And, you know, and so, you know, he would, uh, say, hey, I'm going to call uh, South Africa and, uh, you know, you want to sit in and call and listen and stuff? I said, sure, you know, and so I started, you know, listening in. And I never talked because, uh, you know, this was, uh, I, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want 
anything to go wrong. I just wanted to absorb information. And so, you know, I'd, I'd listen and they'd be talking about, you know, hey, the players are, you know, they're seeing what you guys are doing over there. They, they'd like to do stuff. So after the call went over, I'd, I'd talk with Bob and I'd say, they just need to do their own tournaments and get their own champions. We can get, you know, guys from New Zealand, Australia, and England, Canada. They're all English speaking. I said, you know, man, we can, we can put a team together and we'll play. It'll be just like the Ryder Cup. You know, and we can really showcase for the whole world the fact that this game that's in every bar in the country is in every bar in the world. It's a big, big statement, but you get where I'm going. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, Bob starts talking to his guys and they start bringing me in and we go, have your own tournaments, make your own team, bring them over here. You pay your way, you pay your way, you pay your, your guys way. We'll put up the prize money. And we'll do all the stuff and we'll have ourselves a, the Golden Tee Ryder Cup and it'll be a blast. Yeah, well, you know, and so, uh, and I had uh, started getting a good relationship with um, the Golf Channel. I, you know, they uh, would always call me and say, uh, hey, man, uh, you know, we got this thing. Can we get a Golden Tee game there? Uh, hey, we, we got this new show starting called morning drive we want to have a golden tea there uh, we got you know this we want a golden tea you know and so i'm and i was never afraid to say yeah if you guys want a golden tea you know we want a show you know and then i go well we can't do a show but we could we'll give uh, you know uh, uh we'll do a segment or something we'll do this and then so when when it came time for having you know orlando and and their studios were right you know just a not even an hour away I said, uh, you guys got to cover this. And he says, okay, we'll give you guys a segment every night after your uh, your, your uh, competition and we'll put it on the air. And I said, now you're talking. So that's, you know, that's kind of how all of this started happening. And that's why we always went to Orlando because it was international. You know, you had Disney there. Um, and, uh, and it didn't matter if you were in, you know, South Africa or England or toronto or new south wales you knew disney world so yeah. it was a, a quite a trip for all those guys and the venue was the infamous friday's front row um and i i would i try to paint the picture of what friday's front row it's not like it's not there anymore i i've gone by oh it. no what and, happened there? uh no i think it closed several years ago i think it's a uh it was a some kind of nightclub then uh i think it closed because of covid that's the last i looked at it but so it uh, was a fridays but it was a friday's sports bar yeah that's what it was yeah. I, I called it like this very it was a two oh it was two stories and mm -hmm. yep. uh it was this massive tgi fridays that was also a sports bar and mm -hmm. we had our world championship there um uh, just now you were there you were there you were on the team in four 2004 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was on the, the two thousand. You were bronzy. Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, it's uh, a uh, name Chad Miller still uh, reps to this day. He was the year before. Hey, me. bronzy. How? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> he still rocks that name. Um, to, but you anyways, fr anyways, Friday's front row though. I mean, it, it was a wonderful place to have the world championship though, right? It, it was a great place. It was, uh, you know, and um, 
I mean, it was a sports bar. It was a big sports bar, and it was right on International Drive there, I think. You know, yeah. I mean, it was easy to find. And, uh, and um, you know, I, I, you know, I couldn't, we couldn't have found a better place uh, that took it seriously. You know, that was the one thing. I think uh, uh, Steve and, and Russ and Paige still have the same problem, you know, when they come to a new place, just making sure that they understand that this is a serious endeavor. Yeah. But it's hard to get over that hump. But once they get it, you know, uh, then they're, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're, we're starting world championship right in the, it would have been November, 2003. Uh, and right before that is uh, August of 2003. And the reason why I bring up August, 2003 is the last Tuesday of August of 2003, <laughs> and uh, the infamous Tommy Tuesday, um, because I've I've I've, always, I've I've loved unpeeling this onion about where all the perspectives were at the time, where this what appears to be massive mistake by my uh, incredible technologies happens. Um, just for your reaction to it when it happens, Tommy Tuesday, what's happening with Gary Calabano at the time? Well, first I knew it was going to happen. You know, I mean, I, I, I went to the powers that be and said, you can't have the shadow in the hole and win. Just, you know, just, or you can't have hole and win in the shadow, whatever it would be. Just, just don't have it in hole and win. It should, I said, it shouldn't even be in the tournament play, but I said, you know, I can, I can, everybody has that option. I said, but in hole and win, we can get hurt. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was because a couple of players told me, you know, like, Hey man, you know, I hit a hole and win the other day, you know, I got lucky and I hit it, but it was, you know, 50 bucks or whatever, you know, it was early, you know, it was, it, it, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't worth going chasing around for $50. Okay. okay. Um, maybe it was a hundred, but it just wasn't worth it. Okay. But, um, but the fact is, is that they said that, you know, Hey man, like, you know, I could, I, I hit two of them on two different machines in the place, you know? So you know, I talked to Scott and I said, Hey man, you know, this isn't, you know, something could happen here, you know, and I wasn't, it wasn't like the day before it wasn't, you know, I mean, this was just something that we talked about in the office because it could happen. You know, we were alerted to the fact that this was a possibility, but again, and I'll go back to programmers. Okay. They have all the data. I was shown the data. He goes, Gary, there's nothing like this is, it has happened. Look at look at all the data. You know, it's and I said, but you don't understand these players. I said you can never underestimate these players. If there's something can be exploited to their benefit, because they're so good, then you know it it, it could it could be bad. So, you know. Time goes on, you know, it was three weeks, three months, whatever it would have been, you know, and things are just going on. And then Tommy Tuesday hits, you know, and now I'm going, oh, shit, this is unbelievable. I mean, I hit one in the office, in the office machine outside my door. I hit one. 
Yeah. Think about that. Okay. <laughs> Before it was like, oh, the good players could take advantage of it. Well, <laughs> the good players took more the most advantage because they were aware of everything and understood the nuances of going machine to machine. But you know, there's there were thousands, a thousand guys, 500 guys, I don't know, yeah, whatever yeah. the number is, who hit it one time and uh, did a dance and bought everybody, you know, drinks in the bar. Yeah. And say, hey, man, I just won a thousand dollars. And they weren't, they didn't know anything about anything except they just won a thousand dollars. They weren't going to the next bar to win a thousand. They just won it. Yeah. And, and so <clears throat> I sit down with Scott. I go, Scott, we got it we can make this turn these lemons into lemonade let's go out and let the world know that this little company okay with this incredible game this incredible tournament system that we have the way all these machines are connected to each other our servers here in chicago let's let everybody know that we gave away a million i think it was a million two i know that i think Somebody mentioned a million seven or something, but I always thought it was a million two. But, um, and that we paid it. We paid it because the players earned it. Not that the players found some glitch that they could exploit. The players made the shot and we're going to pay them off. And you can get your share of this kind of money too if you play our game. And I can get this on the front page of every newspaper in the country. That was a little over overblown, but I, you know, I would say shit like that all the time. Yeah. So uh, it was discussed, and um, ultimately, um, it was an embarrass uh, an embarrassment to um, the management of the company, and they didn't want uh, any. Uh, it wa wanted to go any further. And I said, this is not an embarrassment. This is, this is something that we wouldn't want to do every day, but it happened. Let's go ahead and acknowledge it and make something positive out of this. Didn't happen. And the company moved on and Tommy Tuesday is in the lore of golden tea forever and ever. I mean, was it safe to say if I could just imagine Elaine probably being pretty turned off by all this the whole time. Yes. Yeah, I, I could just imagine. But, uh, but see, this, this underscored this underscored that feeling about the players. Yeah. You know, it's now it's 2003, okay? Yeah. And, and it, it's not 1999, it's 2003. The machines you know the the gameplay the number of machines that are out there it's like incredible right i mean we're making a lot of money and um and the players took advantage of us and, and you know and i i hated that i hated to hear those words from our management that the players took advantage of us they didn't they did what anybody would do in their situation, okay? We, we set it up for them. They did it. I'll tell you, you know, it was hard for me to try to get everyone over there to understand that the only thing that's bad about our players, there's only one thing that's bad about our players, and that's when they cheat. 
when they cheat the system. Yeah. Nothing got me more upset than when we would fight. We, I mean, it got to the point, Scott was half his time was policing. We had a, 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 some guy, what was his name? Uh, uh, some uh, legal guy. Uh, Whipple? Whipple. You know, we had this guy, Whipple, always out, you know, you know, trying to put the kibosh on cheaters and stuff. You know, yeah. and I'm going, I'm going you know, I, I talk to people and I'd say, just get the word out. Hey, you guys, don't kill the golden goose. Don't cheat. You know, if you're the gold guy, don't shoot the bronze and the silver scores for your buddies on the machine. Let them do it. Just don't do it. Just leave. Just don't cheat. And that was, you know, but the management, the company thought they all cheated. You know, I mean, it was like, and so this, we got what, you know, basically we got what we deserved from these cheaters, you know, and, and I, and I thought that was wrong. Around that time, we're getting into 2004, some things are happening. Um, But I think the most noticeable thing is there's competition uh, and a, and a coinciding company called Global VR and just um came in and kind of threatened a lot of the the gold the IT and golden tea business. I mean, did it did it feel threatening to you? No, you know, we were we felt threatened in the fact that they had Tiger Woods. I mean, you know, in, in this and well, they said they had Tiger Woods. This was 2003, 2004. Yeah, you know? around that um, time. And you know, <clears throat> And Tiger Woods was the biggest name in sports. And we're going to be competing with Tiger Woods. If you're a casual guy, you want to play Tiger Woods game. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it was a real um, and the amusement operators, you know, as much as they love golden tea, if they can get a Tiger Woods game and, you know, we, they would have and not jump ship they would have embraced it as you know as a great new product for their routes yeah. i mean you know it wouldn't be anything um uh, nothing devious about it but yeah. we knew that they would they would you know go full bar after it um <clears throat> the management of it though they, you know was, he was i can't remember the guy's name but he was a kind of a weird nerdy little guy and um and he really thought he could stick it to us, you know, and, and that was the other thing, you know, it was like, I think Richard had like a dartboard with this guy's face on it in his <laughs> office. <that he> would be. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, but, um, but they, you know, the idea, it, it really hurt when the players, when the players um, embraced them though. Okay. And, um, and I'm, I'm talking personally now the I company the company you know they just expected that you know the players to to jump ship and and go somewhere else uh, you know and and at the same time exploit us i mean you know and and and, and so on a personal level you know on a personal level it hurt in fact the worst day the worst day i had at it was when Courtney came in and said she was uh, going to work for them and Greg got hired too. 
I mean, we were crying together, Courtney, I, in my office, we're crying and because she knew that this was an offer she could not refuse. And, you know, for her and her husband to work together, great pay, you know, uh, on a company up and coming, you know, you know, big rollout, that it would be, um, she couldn't say no. And, uh, and so we're crying, um, holding each other and stuff. And it was, it was just absolutely the worst day. But the best day, one of the best days is when I got to introduce Greg at the world's, you know, say he came out of retirement. And here he is. <laughs> and here he is again. And, and, uh, and uh, it was, uh, it was a moment I'll never forget. Uh, I was, I went, I, you know, I got the, you know, I, I was called to, to testify in court because we sued them for a patent infringement. And, uh, you know, they, they were just weasels. I mean, um, they, they won that battle, but then they lost the, the war. But, you know, it was, you know, they, they were, it, was a, it was a dark time, you know. I mean, yeah, Tiger yeah. didn't want his, you know, Tiger Woods at that point. The last thing he wanted to do is have his name on a bar game, okay? Yeah. Because he knew that it wasn't cool. Yeah. It wasn't cool to be with these guys. Tiger Woods, Golden Tea. Yes, sir. Oh, it can happen. That would have been cool. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, uh, we, we as I think you heard in the Don Pesciani podcast, uh, that that also kind of lit a fire that hey, we got to do something big, and that uh, began the talk of Golden Tea Live, and you know, starting to transition into uh, this next generation of Golden Tea. Just can you? Uh, talk about launching that part of it? Well, you know, it was like we had this great game that kept looking older every time, every year, it kept looking older, you know, because everything else around us, all the council games, you know, everything else is, is the, the graphics are getting, you know, more and more lifelike and more incredible. Um, and And we're, you know, We've <laughs> we had the little pixelated guy basically, you know. Yeah. And um, but we had some, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of everything, but it was like a, a hardware issue. We had all this old shit that uh you just couldn't update. You would have to start fresh. And you know, these amusement guys, they didn't want to buy fresh, you know, they they just wanted, you know, the um uh, everything they had, just give me a new game, give me some new courses, you know, and and I'll be the happiest camper in the world. But uh, getting them to buy new hardware was was going to be a real challenge, and so they kept putting it off uh, until they couldn't put it off any longer. Um, and you know, there was, you know, you know, I had my own business for so long that the idea of distributors, okay. Uh, was like the, the last thing in the world I wanted was a guy with his hand in my pocket. Okay. You know, I mean, if, if, if I could buy direct, mm -hmm. then I wanted to buy direct because I would make more, my margins were bigger. I'd save money. I'd make more money. And so, you know, there's this, this goofy coin operated amusement industry with, you know, manufacturers have to sell to, uh, uh, the the uh, distributor, 
and you can't, well, the last thing you want to do is sell to that operator because you're cutting out that distributor. And if you cut out the distributor, they won't buy your, I mean, it's, it's such a backward, stupid industry in that regard, dirty industry. So, you know, IT goes, well, if you're going to do all this, we got to make more money. So we're, we're going to cut the distributors out. Well, that's fine and dandy. But you couldn't, can't do it when you're launching the biggest product in the history of your company. You can't, can't cut your distributors out then. Yeah. Once you establish everything, everything is fine. Everything, then hammer those guys. Um, but that's what we did. We kind of said, listen, we're going to um, uh, raise the price of, of Golden Tea Live. Uh, and it was going to be, I don't know, six grand or $5,900 or something, you know, and, um, and, and it was like, wait a minute, we're going from like 3,500 to, you know, <laughs> wait a minute here. You know, then, we, you know, then we got to sell to the, the operator because the distributor guy doesn't want to touch us. They, mm -hmm. they refused to order from us because we, we basically said uh, we have one price and it's the price to the distributor and the price to the operator is the same. So it was, it was uh, it was a tough a tough launch a very tough launch. We got tons of press. We got nothing but accolades from the players. We got nothing but accolades from from the amusement guys who actually put them in and saw how great they were. But but it was a it was a tough launch. It was a real tough launch. Let's go back to some world championships for a little bit because honestly, I want you to speak. A little bit on the team competitions, the uh, the what we, it was a Ryder Cup style competition, Team USA versus the World Team, and uh, just uh, some of the memories with that. You know, bringing uh, you guys bringing in all these players and showcasing the players, showcasing a lot of the best in the world. Uh, just talk about some of those competitions. Well, you know, putting on, um, you know, I'm trying to remember where. Where was it in the tilted kilt? It was an you know, 07. When Kinsler, when Kinsler made that shot, you know, the double eagle. Yeah, it's the it's the one of the greatest shots of all time. Yeah, on, on Glacier Ranch 17. And I was, I was, you know, it was I got the microphone and I'm watching. You could hear my voice if you if you you know go to YouTube and 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 you, you hear me going, you know, yeah, you know, I mean I would scream it and stuff. I mean I wanted that kind of, I wanted, you know, so marketing aside, just the, the actual, the actual competition, I wanted it not to be one-sided, you know, I didn't want the U.S. to dominate every time, yeah. because, you know, it, it just, then the, the sense of, of competition gets uh, diminished, okay, it, that it's more of an exhibition, than it is a real competitive uh, event. And so I wanted, I really, really wanted the world team to give our guys a, a real run at the money so that it, there was sus suspense on that last day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, it was, uh, it took a while, but I, what year was it when they beat us? I think it was 2006? Uh, 2004, that was my year. Uh, that was my year they won. He did okay. That was uh, was it 24? It went by a point, right? 
Uh, yeah, 24 and a half to 23 and a half. Right. Uh, I, I partially, and I, I've blamed a little bit of myself on that some because uh, the, I, myself and the fourth place finisher, Will Lee, uh, we played to a, uh, a half point against the South Africans, the only half half point they ever they ever got in any of the world competitions was that was that half point they got, and uh, you know that put them over the top. Um, but yeah, it, it took a little while, but then it, it Wait, got really you carry that around. You carry around that guilt. Uh, no, no, it, it motivated. No, me. it motivated. Me. No, no, it, that those early years were. I'm missing a lot of cuts and, you know, I'm going to golden determined, still trying to find my stroke. And I'm th thinking back because, you know, maybe, maybe Chris Eversole didn't have a nice thing to say uh, that when I was, you know, kind of duffing it around during the individual competition. And I mean, during the team, you know, when I'm playing against somebody I could beat, maybe. Uh, yeah. Eversole, I don't think was all that happy with me. And uh, you know, Sobe kind of pulled me to the side and it's like, look, you're good. You know, go work at this, but don't quit it. And it kind of changed my thought. I wish I would have went in with a better attitude, though, because I didn't understand it. I rem remember, my first tournament was a month before I actually went and played a world championship. I had never met a Golden Tee player ever outside of the four walls of the pizza restaurant that I worked at. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and what you're saying, Chris, mm -hmm. is exactly what I used to tell people in the office. See, I didn't want uh, silver and bronze players on the team. Okay. Yeah. I wanted our superstars to be in on the team. Yeah. The last thing I wanted is a poor guy from South Carolina, <laughs> you know, playing one tournament and then he goes up and, and, and has got all this pressure on him. I mean, um, the experience I wanted you to have, but yeah. I wouldn't, the last thing I want you to do is lose because you were nervous, but but I didn't want anybody to be, ever be in that position. I want the company to be in that position. I yeah. want the company to have its superstars out there. Yeah. And I wanted this other players to see what the, the world team players, to see what they needed to do to be competitive. Mm -hmm. and so I wanted, you know, our, you know, eight to 16 total best players in the world um, on our team. And uh, but I got overruled because, well, for the same reason that we had silver and bronze divisions to begin with. You know, I mean, I, I just I just couldn't believe, you know, they wanted to spread the money out so that the top players didn't get all the money. Yeah. And I, you know, I, and I said. The average guy doesn't he knows he's not going to win and he doesn't expect to win. He doesn't expect to shoot a very mundane, easy, dumb, low score and win. He doesn't expect that. So when you hand him 50 bucks or 25 bucks, you know, he's just going to go, okay. Okay. Yeah. He, is it going to motivate him to get any better? No, he's going to go up to silver and then he, and he gets, you know, he has no chance. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I mean, so it was a flawed system, but it was one where they didn't, again, they just did not want to put the money, all the money in the, with the elite players, you know, and I kept saying, it's not, that's not bad. Don't, don't make it a hundred thousand, make it 10,000. What, I mean, if you feel that, that number, but don't make, 
don't don't give money away to people who don't expect it yeah i uh I could speak for anybody that's, you know, played on any level of gold, silver, bronze, and as an alumni of Team USA and has done the whole spiel that IT had rolled out for us, you know, your life was made, you, you, you felt a little important about what you were doing during those couple of few days. Okay. If anything I'm else. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, that makes- I, I could speak for anybody that's played on any of those teams. You know, the, the the red carpet that you guys rolled out for us as players, um, something that was, for me, you know, as a younger guy and something I hadn't been a part of was unexpected. I look back on it and cherish it deeply. Um, and I, I can speak for anybody that's played on any of those teams that, you know, yeah, you, you felt pretty important those few days doing that. Well, I remember when I called uh, McClellan. Um, Chris McClellan? Um, Jeff McClellan? Jeff. Jeff in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I remember calling him and he was like, is this a joke, man? What are you calling me? Uh, uh, team USA, what are you talking about? I go, hey man, like you made the team, you know? And, and it was like, you know, and and he was like, wow, okay. You know, but he was like still apprehensive about everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, actually I think I, I told him he qualified to make the team and he needed to come to Chicago. I don't know if my, my memory isn't right, but but Jeff is one of the great guys and, and a perfect example, as you are, okay, of somebody who loved the game so much that they wanted to get better, okay? I mean, it wasn't like, you know, somebody handed you 25 bucks. No, somebody handed you a trip to Orlando to rub shoulders with the greatest players in the world. And, 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 it, should, and it makes my day to hear that you really... You know, it, changed, it, it changed my life. It's really, it really what happened, but go ahead. Well, so, oh. you know, I, you know, having a guy like McClellan, you know, and he's still playing the game, I guess. And, uh, and I look at the guys who, you know, uh, have dropped out, I don't know, dropped out's the right word. Um, the guys who uh, didn't make the transition from golden T 3d golf to the floor, you know, there were a lot of guys, they didn't make that transition. Then there were guys who didn't make the transition from Florida to live. Um, so, you know, the, the guys that are still around today, 20 years later, 22 years later from the time I started, um, it's, uh, it's hardening. I mean, it really is. I, I, I looked at the leaderboard on something. Oh, the, the world rankings. Uh, I just looked at it before we, we got on the air here and um, nine of the 20 top 20 are guys I know, yeah. you know, yeah, still there. I mean, I go, <laughs> it's so cool, man. I think like, and I'll speak of another team USA alum, Andy Haas, who he was a really young buck when he made his first team in 2003, he was 21. I think, I think actually here in about a week, he'll turn 40 and, uh, he, he's, you know, we're all growing up and, uh, maybe not acting as ridiculous as we used to, but we're still playing golden team, man. Well, you know, I'm friends with, uh, with uh, Andy's, uh, Ann uh, Haas and yeah. on Facebook. And so I, I see pictures of their little boy growing up, man, you know, mm-hmm. playing real golf and stuff. And, uh, and, uh, it, and it's great. It really is great. All right. Thanks to Gary for being on this podcast. That was part one. 
I actually have a second part to this uh, that will be coming out probably sometime in the next day or so. Um, and uh, we'll continue our conversation on uh, just his career in Golden Tee a little bit. iHeartRadio is always my preferred listening platform. It is the world's largest network of podcasts. And if you choose to listen to me, I'd prefer you listen there. But if not, you can get me wherever you get your podcast iTunes or Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. I will not be taking my podcast down because of Joe Rogan's comments. I just want to let y'all know. Um, I will be keeping my podcast on Spotify. I know that was really important to people. So just letting everybody know, I will not be taking down my podcast because of Joe Rogan. Uh, part two will come out later this week. Until then, I'll catch you guys later.